It is Tuesday, December 8th, 2020. I'm Kevin Williams. This is the LDS Life Podcast. I am solo today. Why am I solo? Two reasons. Number one, I don't have anyone to interview this week. Number two, there's a lot going on in the LDS culture that I want to talk about. Now, I'm not going to talk about everything that's currently happening, but just a few things that I want to talk about. First of all, let's talk about President Nelson's speech that he gave on November 20th, 2020. President Nelson gave an 11-minute speech, and I think it was actually 11 minutes and 30 seconds, if I, if I remember correctly. And I want to summarize this speech and give my commentary. He starts off by talking about how he witnessed a Great Depression. Now, you got to remember, for those of you that are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, listening to the podcast, President Nelson is 96 years old. So he talked about how he witnessed a Great Depression, World War II, and space travel. Then he talked about... How he was, how he was, how he helped develop one of the first heart and lung machines. This is when he was doing his medical residency. Then he talked about how he saw a lot of issues going on in the world that concern him, such as poverty. racism, civil unrest. Then he talked about how he was con- how he's concerned about the pandemic and how he prays for well he expressed his gratitude towards the people that were in the healthcare industry. And he also talked about the spiritual pandemic. And that's where he did mention racism, poverty, civil unrest. While there was no medication to cure those pandemics, there was something we could do that flew right in the front of our face, and that's why we miss it. That is gratitude. Oh, by the way, before I go any further, President Nelson also did mention that he, that while him and his first wife were watching television, his first wife collapsed, and there was nothing he could do in spite of all the medical training. Do you know why I think he put that in there? I can't speak for President Nelson, but I think one of the reasons he put that in there is to show us there are things that are out of our control. We may not like this pandemic. We may not like how the government's handling this pandemic, which I am one of those people who does not like how the government's handling the pandemic. But it is out of our control. Sure, we can influence people locally. We might be able to influence friends and family. But what happens is out of our control. And I think that's why President Nelson mentioned 
the incident that happened between him and his first wife. I can't speak for him, but I'm pretty sure that that's the reason why, if not certainly one of the reasons why. Then he went on to talk about what I'd mentioned, the pandemics, of the, the spiritual pandemics. And he talked about great being grateful. Then he mentioned that he was grateful for the time that he got to spend with his first wife. He also mentioned that he had two daughters that died of cancer. And he was grateful for the time that he had to spend with them and how he's looking forward to spending time with his wife and two daughters in the next life. Then he mentioned that there are things that we can do to express gratitude. He also mentioned that when we express gratitude, we are not... Uh, I can't remember exactly how he put this, but basically the cares of the world will never leave us behind. He, he said that uh, we will still be burdened with the cares of the world or we will still be burdened with problems. Our problems are not going to go away just because we express gratitude. But they can heal us. They can make us feel better. So he gave a suggestion, a word of advice, which I had taken, and that is to turn social media into a gratitude journal, in which I did. Now, you're not going to find my Facebook page because it's private, but I'll bring some of that gratitude journal out here later in the podcast. So he urged us to send, to keep a gratitude journal on social media with the hashtag give thanks. Then he also said that we should pray and express our gratitude to the Lord before we petition him with something. Yeah, before we petition him. And I remember my mom, when she taught me how to pray, she said, uh, she told me to say, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that. And obviously I'd repeat it. And so I think my mother did a great job in teaching me that lesson as well, even though I obviously didn't know it at the time. I, I think the first time I remember praying, gosh, I must have been three or four years old probably. I'm sure I prayed before then, but that's the first, I remember my mom teaching me how to pray. I must have been at least three years old probably. I must have. I remember it was in the summertime and my mom had just gotten done cutting my hair outside and she said, you need to say your prayers and she told me what to say. And it's true, you thank the Lord for everything, and then you petition him with something. You know, like, please bless that I can get this job, or whatever. You know, you don't, you don't demand it, you don't yell at him, you just pray that you'll get a job, or whatever. So I thought that was good advice. 
Then he went on to say a prayer for the world. And he mentioned that he has hope that this pandemic will pass. Now, on this podcast, I'm not going to, well, I'm not, I'm not going to right now talk about whether we'll be in a new normal or not. But I think he was you know, praying that this pandemic would pass and how he has hope for the future. I wanted to tell, talk about a couple things about gratitude. Gratitude does not mean that you don't know what's going on with the government. Gratitude does not mean that you're a Pollyanna. You, as much as you need to express gratitude, and I agree, it's good to express gratitude. We should. And if your parents raising children, you need to teach them to express gratitude as well. I would if I were a parent. But you still need to know what's happening in the world. You still need to know what's going on politically in your country, whether it's the U.S., Canada, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. I think it just means that, uh, I, th I think expressing gratitude just means you take time out and know, express what you're thankful for. I'll be honest, when I did the Gratitude Journal on Facebook, I didn't really think much of it. I just thought it would be a cool thing. But then when I started reading what people were thankful for on social media, particularly Facebook, I started, uh, my spirits were lifted up a little. I was still, I'm still concerned about what's happening in the country. I'm still concerned about the election. I'm still concerned about a lot of things. But I have to admit, when I was reading what people were thankful for under the hashtag give thanks, it did lift my spirits up a little bit. And it put the fun back in social media. Social media used to be fun. What I mean by that is it used to be, oh, I'm, I'm here at the lake water skiing. I'm here at a friend's house. I'm here at the mall. Then about 2014, it started getting very political and very contentious. And I'll admit I'm no angel. I've uh, definitely shared my politics on social media. But it's true, it got really contentious. And so I think President Nelson just said, hey, uh, take some time out this holiday season and find out what you're grateful for. Uh, a process of healing. Again, your problems don't go away. You're still concerned, or at least you should be still concerned about what's happening in the country, what's happening in the states you live in, the city you live in. But be thankful for what you have. Lift your spirits up a little bit, even if it's just a little bit. I think that was the whole gist of his talk. And we are in a troubled world with this pandemic and how the government's handling it. 
and the civil unrest that happened over the summer. We are in a troubled world. By the way, I will talk about the Christmas devotional later this week on another podcast. I don't want to make my podcast too long. So I'll just talk about this. And I'll talk about uh, there is going to be, or there is currently, virtual performances on Temple Square. Because of the pandemic, there are virtual performances And there was a virtual tour of the Christmas lights. Unfortunately, I missed the virtual tour, but I would imagine it was pretty good. It was conducted by two sister missionaries. The Christmas Christmas concerts will be from December 1st until the 20th of December. With the exception of December 6th, because that was the Christmas devotional. I have not listened to a musical performance yet. But I will, and I will come back and report how it was. Because there's a bunch. And there's a link in the show notes to this article. You can go check out all of the performances. There's a link in the show notes. Something else I want to bring to your attention. This is something that I am really excited about. You know, I'd known about the Liahona magazine, but I didn't know what it was. I knew it was put on by the church, but I'd never heard anybody talk about it. I'd heard the name, but no one ever told me what it was. I remember reading about it in the Enzyme once and just briefly mentioning the Liahona magazine. But I didn't realize it was for other countries. I served my mission in Canada, and we got the Enzyme up there. So I just assumed that all the countries where the church is got the Enzyme. I didn't realize that there were two different magazines. Now, I don't know if the Liahona was written in Spanish. I don't know if it was in Mexico or if they had a Spanish version of the Ensign. I'm assuming the, uh, the Liahona was available in Mexico. But nonetheless, the Liahona will consist of 48 pages. So the articles will be a little bit, a little shorter. And for those who only get the Liahona once every other month or once or once, uh, once every other month, or maybe two or three times a year, it'll be condensed down to 32 pages. But I'm really interested in some of these articles that were mentioned. Some of the things that will be in the Liahona will be local issues. People dealing with local issues in their, in their area, obviously from uh, LDS perspective. You know, maybe there'll be an LDS person writing in the Liahona about, or yeah, in the Liahona about an experience they had, and people can relate to it because it's in the local area. Now, I don't know how it's going to affect somebody, let's say, living in Ontario, Oregon, which is near Boise, Idaho, if they will get articles about Boise or Eastern Oregon. I don't know how that's all going to work. We'll have to find that out together. Unless somebody knows, you can email me at kevinw.ldslifepodcast.com. 
Then there, it's going to talk about things from an age-appropriate standpoint. And they say age-appropriate because these are, some of these articles will be in the Friend and the Strength of the Youth magazines. Yes, they are getting rid of the new era. They're calling it the Strength of the Youth, which I think is a good idea. It's more relevant to today. And I think it's a good idea that it's going all global. That'll consolidate things into one instead of two magazines like the Enzyme and the Liahona. It'll consolidate it into one. And everybody can be on the same page. This is supposed to be printed in 250 countries. One thing I'm interested in, in all three magazines, Liahona, Friend, and The Strength of the Youth, there will be articles like uh, there will be articles in dealing with things such as mental health, incarceration, disabilities, faithful aging, and all be age appropriate, of course. And then there's going to be more content on the digital aspect. So not only are you going to, it sounds like you're going to get the Leahona magazine in paper, in a paper book, probably in paperback. But there's going to be a digital copy. Now, I don't know if the digital copy has local issues or not. Because I could see where you might log into your account and the, the, the server says, oh, Kevin Williams is in Billings, Montana. Here's content for his area. I don't, I don't know if, that, if that's how it's going to work. If you'll see the digital articles in your local area on, on, in the digital format. But I'm excited for the digital to come out because I think it's going to have more things. For example, the digital content's going to have uh, things like how to deal with being single. There's going to be articles on young single adulthood in there. Hopefully they'll have some mid-singles articles as well. You know what this sounds like to me? And I know the Enzyme is supposed to be this way too. It sounds like an extension of General Conference. Now I know the Enzyme is supposed to be that, but I have to admit, I hadn't read the Ensign in a long time. I used to read it very religiously on my mission. I had it on uh, tape cassettes. But I haven't really read it since then, except for back in the day when I was a home teacher and had to get the uh, first presidency message. I wonder if more people will read the Liahona once it comes out here in the States and goes global in January of two of uh, 2021. I think if the church emphasizes it enough, they will. Something else that I want to talk about, going back to gratitude, is my gratitude journal. Let's just talk about some of the things I'm grateful for. This is going to be a short podcast uh, because I'll have more to say later when I talk about uh, the Christmas, uh, you know, the Christmas devotional. I have to admit, I uh, I watched it and then I fell asleep. So I woke up at the end of President Nelson's talk. So I got to go back and review it. Well, let me just express some things here that I am grateful for that I put in my gratitude journal. I'm grateful for my niece, my oldest niece. I'm not going to mention her name. 
but I'm grateful for her. In fact, let me talk to you about my niece here real quick. Uh, my niece was born June 3rd, 1992 in Boise. And to this day, I still think of her, I still think about her when she was a baby. Singing to her, laughing with her. And as my niece got older, she used to laugh at me a lot. It was all in good fun, though. Um, my niece made fun of me quite a bit, but it was all in good fun. It was all in good fun jokes. <laughs> um, uh, I just remember a few times I'd spill milk or whatever on the counter, and she'd laugh at me and say, Kevin! You spilled your milk. She'd laugh, and I'd clean it up. It was all in good fun. <laughs> um, it was great to. Sp I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll just uh, leave with the. I'll just uh, tell you this story, and then I'll move on to the rest of my gratitude journal that I posted on Facebook. In 1994. It was in April. I'd come home from a track practice. Earlier that day, I went on a cane travel lesson, which cane travel back then was a joke, but that's another story. But I went on a cane travel lesson to the record exchange in Boise, Idaho. The good old record exchange, for those of you listening in the Boise area, you might be old enough to remember the record exchange. I don't even know. I don't know if the record exchange is there or not today. But I went to the record exchange and bought an album on a cassette because I did not have a CD player yet, so I bought an album on a cassette tape. And then I bought a single because they didn't have the real album that I wanted, so I bought an album by the brand new Heavies. And it's uh, the one called Brother Sister, had the single we all loved, Dream On Dreamer. And then they didn't have on cassette big time by little texas so i bought the single my love anyway i remember coming i remember i'd come home from track practice and i went upstairs and of course my niece followed me as she usually did and i was listening to the tape that had the song my love and on the b side was the only thing i'm sure of and I listened to those two songs, and I became very sleepy. So I laid down on my bed and had my niece lay on my chest. And I nearly fell asleep a few times. I had to wake myself up because I didn't want my niece to fall over and hurt herself or whatever. So I had to wake myself up. But you know what? During that time that my niece was laying on my chest, it occurred to me just how special she was and how precious of a person she was. Now, keep in mind, I was 13. This is back in 1994. I was 13, and she was one going on to two. So it, she was a very special person, and it occurred to me that time when she was laying on my chest, just how precious she was. And I could, for the first time, feel her sweet spirit. Never felt it before, but I definitely felt it then and after. Whenever I'd hold her, I felt that special spirit. 
Now, I can't say I felt that spirit with every little kid, but with my niece, I certainly did. My niece and I were very close. We still talk to this day. Not as much, but we still talk. I'm grateful for the relationship that I had with my dad before he passed away. I'm not sure if I mentioned it. I think I did mention it out here on this podcast. Well, on many podcasts ago, my dad and I did not get along, especially when I was a young adult. And in my late teen years, but especially when I was in my early to mid 20s, early to late 20s, we did not get along. We butted heads quite often. And then one day, I'm not going to get into detail, but then one day, we were just forced to sit down and have a conversation. By the way, the conversation was highly uncomfortable, and I know. It was just as uncomfortable for him as it was for me. In fact, maybe even more so for him. But we had to have a very hard-hitting conversation about some things. And it's unfortunate that it happened, that that had to happen. But over time, my dad and I got along very well. I don't agree with everything that my dad did, or I don't agree with his positions on everything. I don't agree with all of his opinions that he had, although I did find myself agreeing with most of them as I got older. And even when we disagreed, it was great that we had mutual respect for each other and we could talk about our disagreements and not be at each other like we were in the past. So I'm grateful for that because you know what? There would be nothing worse, I would think, or I should say few things worse than a family member passing away like your parent, a sibling. And those disagreements and those issues you had never got resolved. I, I, I think to myself, what would have happened if my dad and I did not have that conversation that we were forced to have in 2008? Oh, no, in 2009. What would have happened? What would have happened if I was not at peace with our relationship once he passed away? I don't think it would have been very pretty. I wouldn't have been at peace at all with his death, knowing that nothing got resolved. And I wonder, and I realize that every family's different. I realize some siblings will just never get along. I realize some parent-child relationships probably will never be mendable. But even though, even still, I wonder, how does it feel when a parent dies or a sibling And you still have a grudge towards that person. Or you still have issues with that individual. Now, certain people I know have passed away, and 
I had issues with them. I, I had major differences. I'm thinking of one particular individual. But that's not nearly as bad as a family member or sibling. So I'm grateful that my dad and I had a good relationship before he passed away. And I'm grateful that uh, we got along really good. In fact, I sometimes wonder, as much as I detested the idea sometimes, not because of my dad, but just because I was in my 30s and really should have been on my own, as much as I detested living with my folks in my 30s, There's a part of me that wonders if it was meant to be so that I could get along better with my dad and understand him. I don't know, but it is entirely possible. Because my dad and I had very good conversations. My dad and I did a whole lot of talking. A lot of talking. In fact, I'm under the impression my dad was more open with me than he was with my older brother. That's the impression he gave me once. I never asked him about it, but he gave me that impression. It's probably true. Other things I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for The Forgotten Christmas Carols by Michael McLean. You know, I went and saw that, and it was wonderful. I went and saw that back in 2014. It was awesome. I, I'm excited to see the movie. I'm grateful for, speaking of Michael McLean. Music. I'm grateful for Mannheim Steamroller. I love Mannheim Steamroller. I went and saw them live in 2000, uh, 2017, a few months before I went to Arkansas. I'm grateful for technology, especially as a blind person, because technology has made my life very, very simple. I don't know where I'd be without technology. I know blind people went to college in the 70s and 80s and before then, but I wonder how in the world did they do it without all this technology? I'll bet you it was very difficult. I know a guy who got his master's degree who's blind. He got a master's degree in the early 80s, 1983. It must have been very difficult without all this new technology. I'll bet you he spent countless hours just doing homework, studying. In fact, I know he did. Because that was back then, and I'm sure some people do it today, but that was back then when blind people hired readers. I'm sure that goes on today, but I don't think it goes on as much because of all the technology now. You know, I was at the tail end of readers, and it was a pain to hire readers. But this is a technology. Look at what I'm doing now. You know, I haven't been able to get out much. My circumstances have been limited ever since May 1st. And if it wasn't for this technology, I'd be awfully depressed, even more depressed. Uh, you know, I've been depressed. I've gotten out of it, but I've been depressed just because of being on lockdown and knowing that, in my opinion, the government's done a crappy job of handling COVID-19 as far as using it to control people. But nonetheless, 
uh, technology has made my life a little bit more easier even during this pandemic because I can keep in touch with friends and family. And I'm going to throw in here something that I didn't put on the Give Thanks hashtag. But I'll put it out here. I'm grateful for unlimited calling in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. We used to call it unlimited long distance, but I'm just going to call it unlimited calling. And I'm not trying to play with words, but I've worked in the telecom industry and the telecommunications industry. Long distance is now defined as calling overseas and being billed for it. That's what long distance is defined as now over uh, in the telecommunications industry. Long distance is not defined anymore of me calling from Billings, Montana to Salt Lake. That is not long distance as defined by the telecommunications industry. But I'm thankful for unlimited calling and just for the sake of this conversation, I will say, because some of us are old enough to remember long distance charges, I'm grateful for unlimited long distance or unlimited calling or a flat fee which you pay for your phone bill. It doesn't matter where within the U.S. and Canada that I call or Mexico. And yes, I have called up to Canada on my cell phone a few times because I know people up there. I'm grateful for that. It's been a great way to keep in touch while we've been in quarantine and all that because a lot of things are shut down. So I'm grateful for a lot of that. I'm grateful for a mentor, Ron Gardner, who mentored me and told, showed me that I could do a lot of things as a blind person. Not that I didn't think I could, but I didn't know how. Ron Gardner showed me how. Let me give you an example. I went to Washington, D.C. with Ron Gardner. Ron Gardner, by the way, is a, is a, was a former president of the National Federation of the Blind. So Ron Gardner paid for me one year to go to Washington, D.C., to be a lobbyist for the blind community. Actually, I did this quite a few times, but I'm, the, my first time back there was really eye-opening in terms of blindness. We went to a restaurant. I don't even know the name of the restaurant. It was a steakhouse that we went to. We had to take the light rail to get there. And... The first thing Ron did when we walked in is said, Kevin, we're going to, because uh, you know these steakhouses, they do have an all-you-can-eat salad bar, some of them. So the first thing Ron did after we all sat down is he said, Kevin, I'm going to teach you how to navigate the buffet line as a blind person. I thought, okay, this is kind of cool. And he said, now, in Louisiana, if you go to Louisiana, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, if you go to Louisiana, 
They will teach you how to navigate the buffet line as well. But I'll teach you here right now. And he also said, sometimes you might want someone to go up and get your food for you, and that's okay. But you'll know how to do it if no one's around to help you. Believe me, I am very glad I learned how to navigate a buffet line because there was quite a few times I went to the cafeteria in Cedar City and I'm sure I could have gotten help, but nobody was there to, to offer me help at the time and navigating through the buffet line at the cafeteria. Nobody. You know, people were back working and whatever. Nobody was, uh, no, nobody was around to help me navigate through it. And that was fine. You know why? Because Ron Gardner taught me how to navigate it as a blind person, so I didn't need help. It didn't matter. That's not all, but Ron Gardner, that, that was my first introduction of Ron Gardner teaching me about blindness. Not that I didn't think it was impossible, I just didn't know how to do it. I met Ron Gardner back in 2001. And Ron Gardner told me that I needed a longer cane. And I thought he was full of crap. I really did. But it was because I went to Washington, D.C. and was around Ron Gardner, I changed my mind and thought, you know what? Ron's right. You know what I did when I got home? I ordered a longer cane. You know why I didn't think I needed a longer cane at the time? Because I was navigating just fine. But I'll tell you what, it was a real eye-opener when I was in Washington, D.C., holding on to an arm of another blind person, because I didn't have very good cane travel skills at that point. So I was holding on to someone's arm, and we were walking very, very fast, faster than I had realized. We weren't walking too fast, but it was a fairly brisk pace. And I re distinctively remember coming to the subway platform in Washington, D.C., And I remember stopping when this person's cane hit the tactile plate right before the drop-off. And I thought, you know what? If I was doing this on my own and walking this fast, I would have fallen off that subway platform and possibly died. Remember, the subway, the subway in Washington, D.C. runs off electricity, and there is electricity going on those tracks. So I could have easily fallen off and died have I had my cane and was walking as fast as this other blind person was. And so right away, I knew Ron was right. So when I got home from Washington, D.C., one of the first things I did was I bought a brand new cane that was longer because Ron was right. Ron was instrumental in me going to the Louisiana Center for the Blind, getting training on how to cross busy streets, getting training on how to find locations without being with, the, with never have gone.
getting training on mental mapping. So, I am thankful for my mentor, Ron Gardner. Very much. If it wasn't for Ron Gardner, I wouldn't have gone to college on my own because I wouldn't have gotten the training I needed. Ron was a big advocate for me. He was a big-time advocate for me. To make things better, Ron was also an attorney, so he knew who to talk to to advocate for me. Those are just some of the things that I shared on my hashtag, give thanks. Oh, one more thing. I'm grateful for my mother. My mother was very Christ-like. It's true, if you showed up to her house when I was a kid, even a young adult, when people would show up, especially people who she hadn't seen in a long time, my mom went out of her way to make them feel welcomed, whether she'd make them dinner, rather she would talk to them and give them something to eat. My mom made them feel very welcomed. Let me tell you a story about my mom. Let me tell you two stories. And I know this podcast is going on, but since we are talking about gratitude, I figured I'd express a little gratitude here on the podcast. <clears throat> in 1982, I was in Salem, Oregon for therapy because I wasn't talking like a kid should. I didn't even start talking until I was about two and a half years old. And I vaguely remember this to this day. One of the first words that I actually said was, look at that. And I remember saying it over and over and over again. It was a car ride that we were taking from Snowbird to Salt Lake. And I just remember I kept saying, look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that, over and over and over again. But to hear my mom talk about it years later, she was grateful that I was talking. Because I didn't talk at all. I'm sure I knew who people were. I'm sure I knew some things, but I didn't talk until then. I went to therapy because my mom said that I wasn't talking nearly as much as I should have, and she was worried. Probably rightfully so. Obviously, it turned out okay. I talk a lot now. But being a parent, yeah, I might have worried about it too. I don't know if the therapy did me any good or not. I don't remember much about being in therapy. I remember being there. I remember being in the lounge at the School for the Blind. I remember eating breakfast sometimes. I remember a few things that happened. Well, let me just share with you this memory. Then I have another memory I want to share. Then I'll end the podcast. When I was in therapy, I was not allowed to see my mother, except for, I think, one time, one time during that week, and then on the weekends, I could see her. It was a two-week program that I was at.
my mom came and picked me up because my mom stayed there at the campus. My mom picked me up. It was on a weeknight, and I do remember, this is back in December of 82, possibly even at the end of November. I know it was after Thanksgiving. It would have had to been the very end of November, early part of December. I remember it was brisk cold outside, very cold. And I remember having a jacket on. I don't know if I had hat and gloves on, but I remember having a jacket on. And I remember my mom and I were singing a song called I Can See for Miles by The Who, which is ironic because a little over a decade later, I asked my mom, have you heard of The Who? Yes. Did you like them? No. But yet, we were singing that song. She probably didn't know it was by The Who. I think... Uh, I think I was I think one of my siblings, I think one of my older sisters had an album by The Who with that song on it. Because I remember at that time hearing that song over and over and over. And I remember I started singing it because I liked it. And I remember my mom would sing it to me uh, in Salem and I would sing it with her. And she would carry me as she was walking around. I think, I don't know, I think we were just walking around campus. And I don't remember any of this. I remember being at this person's house, but what I'm about ready to tell you, I don't remember a single thing. But obviously it happened. That weekend, my mom came to get me, and we were going to some relatives in Vancouver, Washington, because Salem is not that far away from Vancouver. My mom told me that I was so upset, and I started crying the whole way, rolled down the window. I was just crying very loud. She knew that I was upset with her because she left me. No, not left me in terms of left Salem, Oregon to go back to Ontario, but left me in terms of left me physically. And she knew that I was upset with her. And I was crying the whole entire way there to Vancouver. Not only that. But my mom told me that there was a Christmas special going on, a Christmas party or something, some concert at the church in Vancouver. And my mom said I cried real loud and she spent most of the time in the parking lot trying to comfort me and calm me down. My mom must have had a lot of patience because if I was uh, riding with a crying baby driving, I would lose patience very quickly. And in this day and age, I'd probably put on noise cancellation headsets so that I wouldn't have to hear the baby or a kid crying. And I could concentrate on getting me there. Then I would probably calm down the kid or try. Let me share you a second memory I have with my mom, and then I will end this podcast because it is going quite long. 
October 5th, 1988, I broke my arm. It was a very painful break. Very painful. I was lucky that they didn't put pins in my arms. They didn't put a pin in my arm because they were going to. The doctor said it was bad enough they might have to put a pin in my arm, but they didn't. And I can't remember why they didn't, but they didn't. But I remember being very devastated. I was eight years old, and I thought for sure that I would never, ever have a broken bone in my entire life. I really thought that. I broke my arm because I was spinning around on the swing set in my backyard. And one of my sisters came out and spun me around as well as me spinning around. So obviously with me spinning around, my sister spinning me around, I lost my grip. Now you got to remember this was a swing set. This was a very old swing set. It's probably made back in the 70s. It had a really thick bar on top, really thick. I could probably put my hand around it today, but for someone that was eight years old, it was really thick. And I even think it was thick. I even think it would have been a thick bar for me today. They, these were really old, sturdy swing sets. Really old. And so they were very sturdy. So the bar was thick. I could just barely wrap my hand around it. So I was spinning around on the bar. And uh, like I said, my sister was spinning me around also. I lost my grip, fell right onto the gravel. Ouch. And it was just the reflex. I landed on my arm, just reflex. My arm just started moving, um, immediately moved to my stomach when I was falling. Oh, that hurt. Fortunately, my brother was there. He put me in a sling and walked me around the neighborhood, and my mom came home and took me to the hospital. Yeah, I was devastated. I was scared that my arm was broken. I'd never had a broken arm. I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, I was scared. Because I did not want to be in a cast. Uh-uh. But you know what? I don't know what was said in that prayer except for the fact that my mom said, Heavenly Father, we love Kevin. And that, that's all I remember, but I do remember she said a prayer in the emergency room. Well, after I got x-rayed, they willed me somewhere, and after a while, my mom said, why don't we just say a prayer, and she did. I think she was inspired. So, those are the things that I expressed gratitude for in my gratitude journal. I'll be out here later this week talking about the Christmas devotional. I'm going to do two podcasts this week. And I need to start putting more podcasts up here. I, I really would like to be more consistent of putting podcasts up here. Because I realize that's how you maintain your listenership. In the meantime, I'm Kevin Williams. This has been the LDS Life Podcast, and I will talk to you later.